are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. The two readings today, the first is from Psalm 102, verse 25. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded, but you remain the same. And your years will never end, and the children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. Our second reading is from John 8, Jesus' claims about himself. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Thank you, Donna. As Jill mentioned, today we begin our new summer series entitled, What is God Like? A Survey of His Attributes. We actually had a little foretaste of this a couple Sundays ago when Katie shared some of the pictures the kids had created this last spring, describing God. So I pulled out just a handful for you to take a look at. God is strong. God is holy. God is faithful. And God is love. God is all of these things and so much more. In fact, it might be a bit presumptuous of us to think that we can survey the attributes of God in a summer message series. How do you describe God? Where do we even begin? What can I, mere me, say about the creator and owner, the sustainer of the universe, about the Almighty One, the one true God who has defeated sin, death, and the devil, as Martin Luther would put it? Well, we can only say what God has revealed about himself through his handiwork we call creation, through his son 
who is the complete revelation of God, and through his word, the written God-inspired testimony of himself. This is what we have. And so over the next couple months, we're going to dig into different aspects of who God has revealed himself to be. And what's the purpose of this kind of survey? Well, this morning I'd like to suggest three purposes as recorded in the 1970s musical Godspell. I had the privilege of being a teenage Jesus person of the 1970s, and so this album was a favorite of mine. I've been told that the 70s are popular once again, so if you need a refresher on fashion or music of the 70s, I'd like to encourage you to give this musical a watch. The song, Day by Day, records these three purposes. To see thee, God, more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly, day by day. For the record, do not miss the pun, Godspell composer Stephen Schwartz grabbed these lyrics from St. Richard of Chichester, who in the 1200s recorded them as a prayer. O most merciful Redeemer, friend, and brother, may we know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly. It was not only St. Richard's prayer, but the Apostle Paul prayed this for the early Christians. In Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, he writes, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Genesis 1 and 2 record that God created us, male and female, in the image of the triune God. Chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. But as early as Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, our first parents, doubted God's character and distrusted what they knew about God. And so it is with us. We have inherited a natural tendency towards doubt and distrust. We determine God's character based on our circumstances rather than knowledge of who God is. John Milton once wrote, The end then of learning is to repair the ruins of our first parents by seeking to know God aright. We need God's spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better. But to know God is not just knowing facts about God, like some kind of an intellectual exercise. To really know him is to have a personal relationship, intimacy with the one who created us and loves us beyond measure. In the truest sense, Christianity is not a religion. 
but rather a relationship, a relationship born out of love. To know God is to love God because the more we grasp in our minds, in our hearts, who he is, the more we cannot help but respond in love, gratitude, and worship. For a number of years, I traveled up to Alberta, Canada, where I had the blessing of teaching second-year Bible students spiritual formation. Just a quick aside for the young people who are here. If you have been going to college or vocational school, and you're not sure exactly what you want to pursue, or maybe you're just starting to consider college, or maybe you're working and looking for something more, I want to encourage you to consider CLBI, the Canadian Lutheran Bible Institute. It's a small residential setting just outside of Edmonton where you would learn more about who God created you to be as well as who God is. It's just a great place. Well, the textbook that I often use there was Conformed to His Image by Kenneth Boa. And in his chapters on relational and devotional spirituality, Boa has so many good things to say about loving God more dearly and following him more nearly. So I want to credit him as I paraphrase some of his thoughts here. When we discover who the personal author of time, space, matter, and energy is, and that for some incomprehensible reason, he has chosen to be in relationship with us, we cannot help but respond in love to and for him. God did not choose us for relationship because we are lovable, beautiful, or clever. I know myself, and I know some of you. No, God's choice of us is undeserved, unconditional, and unending. As we expand our vision of who God is and what he has done for us, as undeserving as we are, we will begin to love him more and more and become the people that he has called us to be. It's by God's grace that we grow in love for him, with him, in our thoughts, in our emotions, and in our actions. A.W. Tozer observed that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Our image of God shapes who we are, and it shapes our spiritual direction. As we grow to know and love God, we learn that we can trust his character. We can trust his promises. We can trust his precepts. This knowledge and this love leads us then to follow after him. Our task as his followers is to will to do his will, to love the things that he loves, and to choose to follow his leading in our lives. Following after God is a lifelong process of time, of obedience, of trust, and of faithful service. It is only by God's grace that we can know him, love him, and follow after him.
So as a means to introduce our summer series, What is God Like? A Survey of His Attributes, I've suggested these three purposes. So let's say them to review, or if you prefer, you may sing them together. They are to know God more clearly, two, to love him more dearly, and three, to follow him more nearly. So today then, we begin by looking briefly at the attributes of God, as Jill mentioned, eternal, infinite, and unchanging. Bjorn mentioned to me that he had so many different scripture texts that he was considering for these qualities. The Bible is full of references to God as eternal, infinite, and unchanging. Psalm 102 and John 8, our readings for this morning, are just two samplings. I encourage you to use a concordance found in the back of many of your Bibles or online to look up each of these words and then use the scriptures listed for your personal devotion time. You might consider this not just even as a personal exercise, but maybe something to do as a couple or as a family or as a small group. Verses 25 to 28 of Psalm 102 articulate these attributes of God so clearly. So turn to page 45 in your blue Bibles as we hear them again. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. There is no denying that things in life are changing rapidly. Certainly the last two years, two and a half years, are testimony to this fact. New illnesses, new policies, new technologies, new ideas about what is possible, and the list goes on. Life is full of change. The Greek philosopher Heraclitus wrote, There is nothing permanent except change. You change. I change. We all change. Everything changes. Everything except God. Our God does not change ever. Earlier in the psalm, the psalmist cries out to God. Jerusalem was in ruins. The Jewish people were scattered. Israel was left without a king and without the temple. Life as they knew it had completely changed. And these changes were not pleasant. These changes were hard, and the people were suffering. I encourage you to take some time later today, read through the vivid pictures the writer uses earlier in Psalm 102 to describe his life. It's a lament. But then comes verse 12. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. In the midst of of so much hard change. The writer remembers who God is, and the tone of the psalm takes a turn. The psalmist declares that though the earth and the heavens which God created will one day perish, God remains. 
we can know that though life can be hard, that changes will come, that as frail, time-bound people, we will one day return to dust. We have the promise that because God lives, because God loves, because God is eternal, we too will one day live again in his presence. These verses, 25 to 27 of Psalm 102, are quoted then in the New Testament book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews quotes this word by word with the exception of one added word. So I want you to leave one finger there on page 485 and now turn to page 968. Hebrews 1, 10 through 12. Page 968, Hebrews 1, 10 through 12. Compare these verses. Do you see the one added word? Look closely. Read carefully. It's right there at the beginning of verse 10. In the beginning, now here it is, Lord. In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. The New Testament writer of Hebrews applies the Old Testament text of Psalm 102 to Jesus. Jesus laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of his hands, and he remains, though all else will disappear. He is God, and he is the same from generation to generation. Jesus, as God revealed in the flesh, is eternal, infinite, and unchanging. World leaders, they come and go. Cities and nations appear and vanish. But the Lord, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews 13.8 and our kids' blessing declares. There are things that we currently depend on, things that we think we cannot live without. Might be your investments, your house, your conveniences, your technologies. None of it. None of it will last. It will all wear out like a threadbare garment. But if we get our picture of God right, none of these things ultimately matter. Jesus Christ is our only security in a changing world. Whatever happens in life, because God is unchanging, we are secure, and our future is secure in him. On Christ, the solid, eternal, infinite, and unchanging rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Can I hear an amen? Yes. Briefly now, let's turn to John 8. There's so much in this gospel reading that could be discussed. I hope you have a good study Bible to aid you in following this whole dialogue. But for now, the chapter actually climaxes at verse 58, where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. When Jesus says, 
I am. He is declaring that he is God. I am is God's divine name, as God told Moses in Exodus 3.14. If you remember the story, Moses wanted to be able to tell the Israelites who were in captivity who it was that was sending him, Moses, to free them. So in response to Moses' request, God called himself, I am, a name describing his eternal, infinite, and unchanging character. Verse 58 of John 8 is as close as we come to hear from the lips of Jesus a direct statement of his divine nature. He makes the absolute claim to his preexistence that as I am, as God, that he existed before the beginning of time. What Buzz Lightyear referred to as a place to infinity and beyond, is actually a person. The person of Jesus Christ, the infinite one. Tozer, in the knowledge of the Holy, wrote, how completely satisfying to turn from our limitations to a God who has none. Eternal years lie in his heart. For him, time does not pass. It remains. And those who are in Christ share with him all the riches of limitless time and endless years. Our daily lives can easily cause us to lose sight of the things that really matter and focus on things that are temporal. My prayer for you as we consider who God is this summer is that you will come to know him more clearly. Because to know him is to love him. And to love him is to follow after him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In talking to the church staff, I thought it would be fun, as we consider the different attributes of God, to gather a mosaic of sorts throughout the summer of some of our musings, inspirations, artistic creations, depicting each week these characteristics of God. This way, by summer's end, we would have a collage of this God survey. So the illustrations from the kids that I shared at the beginning of the message can inspire us, kids, students, and adults alike, to offer our humble sacrifices of praise to God for who he is. Now, I am not a visual artist or a poet, so don't look for that from me. But I do love to play with words. So I want to share these couple to encourage you to participate. So I'm making myself really vulnerable here, right? You can do the same. Using the word eternal, everlasting, timeless, enduring redeemer, never-ending, always Lord. And then using the word infinite, I'm no longer fearful of today, for I know I'm held by the eternal one. Be creative. Involve your kids. Ask your friends for their ideas. I can't wait to see what you'll come up with. Please submit your offerings by email to bjorn at thewhychurch.org or bring them in person on Sundays to the Connections table. 
you can choose to remain anonymous if you must. So I want to thank you in advance for participating in this mosaic of praise to God. Let's pray. Oh, eternal, infinite, and unchanging God, how we do praise you this morning. We thank you for who you are. And as we begin to try to put that into words, we ask your Holy Spirit to speak to us. Open our eyes, Lord, that as we walk through this week, we could see you for who you really are. That we would be serious in our desire to know you. Move our hearts to love you and our feet to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.